Welcome to e-commerce on steroids. Buckle your seatbelts and learn from industry pros how to take your e-commerce business to the next level. Hello everybody, welcome back to another episode of e-commerce on steroids. I'm Panos, your host, and let me introduce you to today's episode guest. Today with us is Anton Komarov and we are discussing about Anton. endless e-commerce. Hello, how is everything going today? Welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, all is fine. I'm just starting the day and uh, it's sunny as usually and there is no, no more smoke. So the, the fires are over in LA. So everything is perfect. Fine. Perfect. Give us a little bit more information about yourself and your background to kick it off. So essentially, I'm personally started programming when uh, when Macromedia Flash was popular and the Action Script was was a big deal and stuff like that. And uh, it was very very back in time. Since 2009, I'm the owner of a small development uh, company and we do custom development. And since 2015, uh, I moved to California to be closer to our main clients because since the beginning we were uh, working for U.S.-based clients, and uh, basically, idea was to be to be closer. And our uh, specific focus is uh, either high load or high volume uh, projects. And uh, because of the specific tech stack, the majority of those projects were either travel or e-commerce. And then the travel uh, basically got pushed out by e-commerce. So majority of the projects were e-commerce, but it's a whole universe of different e-commerce platforms, not only Shopify. That's a great journey. So I want us today to speak about headless e-commerce. There's a lot of buzz around this uh, uh, topic. Honestly, I have no idea what that is. And I really want to, for you to explain us, first of all, what's the definition? and give us a brief overview on what exactly head, headless e-commerce is. Okay, so uh, it's um, like I can talk about it like for like two hours, but essentially uh, main idea is that you, um, from, the, from the development perspective, you need to separate um, separate different layers of apps and more separation, the more freedom you have. So back in time, the apps were not decoupled, they were monolith. So basically when you try to create a new button on a, on a, on a representation layer, you, you like get full into doing all of the stuff on the backend side, on a, on a logic side and stuff like that. Then while the progress was moving forward, the JSON REST APIs were introduced now you can actually treat backend as just a source of data. So you don't you don't do direct calls to the database. You do calls to the API. And what is the benefit? And how to explain it by example is that if you want to populate specific uh, look and feel and specific content in a different ways. So when you're doing it using Shopify or WordPress or like any other platform, classic way is that you get into the constraints of like, okay, so uh, your path to the theme should be like this, then your output would be under this URL. And you, uh, to, to modify it, you, you need to run either into some hacky approach or you cannot modify it at all. 
And uh, headless gives you this level of freedom that you can actually get out of any constraints of the platform and treat it as a source of data for you. And uh, what is confusing is that anytime you read about headless on landing pages of Shopify or like other uh, big platforms, they promoted that you can sell your stuff on different medium. So not only on the website or like mobile platform, but on a Apple Watch, on a, on TV, on VR and stuff like that. Yes, this is true, but it's not so common case. So it's hard to connect the dots and immediately like feel the value of like, oh, okay, like I can sell stuff during the live streaming event, for example. But it's totally possible. But at the end of the day, the idea here is like, if we would imagine a use case of like, I want to have a t-shirt, uh, Shopify is the best sold during the live stream event, you cannot do this by using just Shopify. You need to have a so-called thin client that will request this product image and this product name and the price and then populate the rollout banner in a live streaming software where people would actually see this thing. So this is one of the use cases of Headless. But essentially, to, to make it by example, Headless is available on any platform, on Drupal, on WordPress, on, on any other platforms. And the main idea is to drop constraints of the platform itself, to freedom yourself, to actually not be uh, limited by some architectural uh, stuff that is in this platform. Okay, got it. And then, for example, uh, Shopify merchants. So they, let's say they are going with the approach of headless e-commerce uh, architecture. Are they still having the backend and all this stuff that they used to have, or it's something uh, that they want to change uh, in this approach or something else? So the, the good part is that they do not change anything backend. They they have everything they get used to. They don't train people on like using admin panel and stuff like that. Like they, they already have whatever they, they were have before. The the only one thing that is changing is their front end and uh, what it, and for the end customers, they don't see any difference as well. On the on the browser side, except better performance, except like SEO people would be happy because they are able to produce enormous amount of different pages that would serve pretty much the same content from the same source, but under different flavors. And uh, should the merchants go for headless, it's actually uh, depends on the level of their let's say evolution or like the cost. Uh, structure evolution because in many cases and and the main um, sort of like I have like a label for Shopify in my head that is like there is an app for that so like whatever you want to do you you can do it through the application and uh, there are stores that runs the 10 up to 60 apps per store so simply by rolling back into the tech part of like how apps works. This is something that is hosted on a third party place on Heroku or like on, on any undefined server. And even though you have everything hosted on the same uh, server, it is 20 or 15 HTTPS requests that should go just to render one page. So you lose performance. 
you basically run into the conflicts where your plugin conflict with your theme or your plugin installed last week conflict with the plugin you, you installed yesterday and so on and so forth. So when you go into those things and when you really feel that you can do things faster or like you really see that you oftentimes using uh, Shopify tech guys and like freelancers who will go and fix something for you or like tweak something in your theme or use pushing yourself into like, okay, we need to think about the custom theme, then headless is the, is the way to go because you basically lose all the limitations without losing any advantages that platform gives to you. You processing orders, you have all of those third-party fulfillment integrations in place and so on and so forth. Additionally, you gain freedom of crafting your customer experience the way you want it. Additionally, you bypassing, for example, this famous limitation about variants and uh, options of the products that, that is like Shopify have. So you can easily make it uh, nice and, uh, and, and basically overcome this. Or you basically make yourself safer for uh, sort of app store wars. For example, Shopify got in some in some uh, conflict MailChimp, and they they basically said yes. like no more MailChimp uh, with Shopify. What if I, I I was have like super amazing everything email related in MailChimp? What should I do? This app just be like remove whatever block. So what I do, I do a custom integration. And more um, like different level example is like having a headless approach gives you ability to also grow to another platforms. So you can keep using Shopify, but you can add, for example, product information management system that not necessarily is able to be integrated with Shopify or it's too old or it's like too archaic that you need, but you still need it, for example. Or you can have some other needs and you don't want to wait when particular plugin developer will implement this on their roadmap because things are taking time. And even though something is set to be like in three months, easy can, can do by the end of the year. And like everything on the development side is pretty slow from the perspective of business people. So it's speed, it's uh, freedom of customizations, and it's for someone who already use some external development help. That's got it, got it. Anton, correct me if I'm wrong. So from the business owner side of things, headless e-commerce will help them to have more freedom in terms of customization and bypass limitations of whatever CMS they are, they are on. Yes. It will give exactly. them the ability to, let's say, add additional functionalities that maybe the CMS does not even provide. Exactly. Functionalities, integrations, uh, they, can, uh, they can basically do fine tuning uh, for, for example, Google, where you want to have specific markup and specific um, schema to uh, output your data in this schema. And uh, there is like way much more new things that uh, are being uh, created continuously. And one of the not so obvious, let's say, use case 
is that you are able using headless output stuff that is not for people that is not for uh, being viewed in the in the browser so for example if you go into the b2b space let's say and let's say i have a shopify shop so i can produce uh, something that would be look, look like google shopping feed but i can produce this for other shops to be able to sell my products so this could be html just to see in a browser but that's easily can be an xml this easily can be json this easily can be csv for other merchants to upload my inventory or like uh, there is uh, different weird apis of like uh, stadium led uh, displays where you can show products as well they consume xml feeds so if for example you can you can use this or for example broadcasting studios where you want like and it's very popular in china where they have a lot of like you know video streaming sales and e-commerce video streaming platforms and stuff like that where you essentially can uh, produce feed for each platform and give ability to influencers to easily pick up and talk about your product and it would be for like you know don't remember those those names but essentially for that specific platform so headless, it's the freedom of output as well. So it could be browser, it could be anything else. It could be something very wild and exotic as well. And it could be also uh, EDI documents because uh, you have like on a higher level uh, and procurement uh, systems that are being used by bigger companies, they require from you to uh, populate specific type of product, uh, product files. So those EDI files is, an, is a, another one example of the possible output. Mm, makes sense. And on the consumer side of things, you said that it's not really something different from them in terms of the user experience on the front end. They're going to see the same website. It's just that uh, the performance is going to be improved. And when you say performance, I guess you mean uh, uh, loading time of the website or something else too. So essentially, uh, if you uh, don't want to disrupt uh, user experience, you can obviously keep it the same. Uh, the performance will be improved uh, by uh, faster uh, loading speed and uh, by simply uh, getting uh, delivered to you uh, almost immediately. There are also solutions like MoveWeb where they giving you so-called experience delivery network. So using headless approach, you can actually integrate with products like MoveWeb. And how is that works is that basically while you're scrolling, they uh, predict what you will click. And they already prefetching it for you. So that creates an, a feeling of like instant. So when you clicked on it, it's instant for you. And, uh, you know, wait until, like, platforms will implement this. In Headless, you can immediately start using Storefront and then, you know, sign up for MoveWeb, and uh, this, this thing would be available for you. So there is also a lot of different nice tweaks that can hack uh, customer experience. And additionally to it, for example, if you will imagine yourself being a jewelry brand, Try to imagine like a diamond ring configurator of like, 
I want this specific diamond type, this size of diamond, this size of crown into the ring, this type of ring, this type of gold, and so on and so forth. If you're selling it in a classic way, that would be like a grid of products. But in Headless, you can create a custom like wizard where you scroll nicely and configuring your one perfect ring. And at the end of the day, from the inventory standpoint, that would be one SKU. So you're always like bypassing this limitation of like variants and so on and so forth because variants are existing just to make easier not populating like 500 products while you just have like five of them essentially, but the exactly. variation. So that's, that's basically benefits. Makes sense. Thanks, Adam, for the, for the, the descriptions. It was uh, helpful. And I also recently read that headless e-commerce is somehow linked with another big trend called PWA, Progressive Web Applications. Yeah. Is this true? So, and could you please elaborate? Yeah, so essentially uh, PWA is uh, it's like fashion. Like uh, everybody was already uh, have this this thing and then it's re reintroduced again. So PWA uh, is uh, around for a while since like uh, iPhone of the of the first version iPhone was. It's basically an HTML and JavaScript, but you additionally add a manifest. And you remember when the iPhone just arrived, they will allow you to create icons on a start screen for web pages. And jQuery Mobile, before Angular, before all of this happens, jQuery Mobile were allowing you creating PWA apps. Now it's just like called uh, the fancy way and, and become popular. And what is interesting part about the PWA, it has become popular, but uh, their um, sort of arise of like real value is already in the past, just because uh, Apple made a war against PWA and they do not allow PWA. So essentially, you have it for Android users, and it's still fully functional there. An idea of PWA is that you can have your uh, HTML and JavaScript, and that would work offline to a certain extent. So uh, if, you, if you lost your internet connection, it will still allow you to navigate through the views Obviously, what was not loaded previously would not be loaded, but you, you have still functional thing. Another one uh, sort of killer feature of it is that it, it was allow push notifications. And it still allow on Android. It's not like, in, in I, like iOS and Apple, how they killed Flash, and I can't basically... Uh, not feel bad about it, but like they, they same way killing PWA because that's a threat for them of distributing apps aside of the app store. So basically PWA allow you to download a portion of the website through the website itself. And you don't need an app store to distribute PWA apps. So you can actually show up like a model window, like uh, get, get our app and people get this up and they will have the same options, the same experiences in the, like they have a native app almost, but 80% be the same. And uh, Apple is against this. And now one thing is that you, you, you can populate PWA even 
through like editing an HTML file. So it's it's not a rocket science. At the end of the day, um, mobile experience is important. And uh, in general, current trend is that people are overloaded by apps. It's like too much apps. They their size is too big. So when you open something pretty, you know, basic in the app store and it says like 250 megabytes and you're like, what are we downloading? What exactly are we downloading? And this thing is not working without internet at all. So like what exactly should I download? So when you're on the go and when you do like real mobile, let's say shopping, this is impulsive thing. So aside of having a good mobile experience, there is more important to open the page for them pretty quickly to actually then sell them option to install app by email when they made an order. Because if they would have like repeatable orders, that makes sense to have a mobile app and stuff like that. But even though they would download mobile apps, I have all notifications silenced on my iPhone, except <laughs> Slack and Gmail. Me too. So like, you know, and and <laughs> and I have all the shopping apps because that's that's my job. So I'm basically a lot of them. I'm done. So I'm I'm I'm, I'm convinced yeah. about the headless, but I really want to get your take on the some of the drawbacks or any reasons mm-hmm. to avoid headless, if any. I don't know. You tell us. Okay. So uh, I'm 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 not. Uh, I'm not good person uh, of like, it's like asking jobs why to avoid, you know, iPhones or something. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much like deep in this thing and like I, I see only good things, but there is, there is one uh, bad thing and one uh, thing that should be avoid, like, that should be like a red flag. So basically, headless, while it is all around super cool, will require you to have um, sort of preparedness to use uh, developer's help. So if you get used to use developer's help already, and by the way how Shopify is built, you actually pretty much immediately get used to use external help because even though on a theme developer websites, they have like common asked tasks additional to the theme and you buy those tasks when you even installing the thing. So pretty much everyone is, is already prepared. But at the end of the day, the, the, the thing is that you essentially will uh, use it to the most of its power and uh, to, to the biggest possible uh, benefits of it if you would have some relationship with a freelancer or a developer. But the good news here is that those developers are way cheaper than Shopify developers basically just because they are do HTML. They not do liquid. They not do like you know very uh, intense uh, Shopify specific things. Because when you do headless, you basically come to one layer above the platforms. So you already operating in a simpler way, and you don't need super hackers to actually do your job. So the hourly rate will drop. The amount of hours would probably raise a bit, but at the end of the day, you updating your site, you know, uh, significant way updating, not uh, every day or every week. So it's usually like 
goes in waves. So the drawback of headless is that it is making you um, your like it's level up your tech game a bit. Got it. So to my understanding, the only thing that we need to get started with headless is a good developer or anything else. Honestly, it's uh, it's not even much uh, good developer. So like. You know, you you can you can have. Uh, I I don't I don't promote hiring bad developers, but like you don't need real hackers. So this is um, like the the learning curve is not that steep. So for example, to properly implement, and I'm the part of like uh, Slack groups and like Reddit uh, forums where people like, how do I implement something in Twig. Uh, about like you know, I want to render this this level of complexity menu, and menus are a big deal. You know, like menus is 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 the complex stuff. But uh, for headless way, it would be like not a big deal for any level of developer, and it would be just producing HTML and pulling the data into it. So essentially, uh, to to start working with headless, it is. Uh, less expensive than to start working with any other very focused uh, platform developer. So you can basically save. And uh, it's it's really like the platform itself saves you. So you can't explode your thing through API because API have its own level of not allowing doing things specifically. So. This way, uh, you basically have an additional layer because when you, for example, give access to your admin panel on Shopify to a developer who will be, and that's one of the like bad things of my collection of the bad things of Shopify, is that you have admin panel and uh, you, you can give access to like certain amount of people. You don't know who did what, when, how to roll back this thing and all the changes, it's like updating file on FTP. It's like, it's done. So like, if you want to get back to the version of like, from the past three days, you can't. I mean, obviously there's an app for that, again, but still. So at the end of the day, uh, it's even giving you an additional layer of uh, calmness that like, even if they will mess something up, your core, don't feel it. So basically, that's that's one of the additional benefits, and that's why you don't need super ninjas. You have just them. Got it, Anton. Thank you so much for your time. It was great having you today. Thank you very much, and uh, I'm always happy to jump on a call and uh, have a good rest of your day. Thanks. Thanks again. We hope our podcast inspired you. Join our Facebook group Shopify Q&A for more great e-commerce and Shopify tips.